Please do turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, and our text is found in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. This is a promise given to a man who had an uncertain future, and I think and trust this will be of great help to us today. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. It's not every new year that begins on a Lord's Day. This is a special day, and so we should mark it carefully. And we should take the counsel, the instruction, the wisdom that comes from God's word. Well, we come to remember this day. Are there those here this morning fearful? Perhaps you've been bereaved. Perhaps you don't know what the year will hold. None of us do. Maybe there'll be great joy. A marriage. A new child. There'll be some success and happiness, but maybe not. May there be an accident, and there'll be illness, and there'll be tragedy, and there'll be loss. We don't know. We don't wish this on anyone, but all of us, all of us, face an uncertain future. How will you look to this year when we don't know what a week will hold? We don't know what a day will hold. But when we come and look at Joshua and his life, there is so much here to encourage us and to help us. If you're a believer in Christ, if you trust in God's word this morning, there are very many lessons for us here. We will think of Joshua We will think of the nature of the promise that he's given. We will notice how complete it is. And then we shall see how God gives us a command within this promise. These are not just nice, pleasant words. There's something for us to do, as there often is with a promise. We have a hymn. I think many of you might know this. Pardon for sin and a peace that endures. If you want to look up the hymn, it's number 86. Great is thy faithfulness. Just look at its words briefly. Great is thy faithfulness. Looking back, you can't see God's faithfulness. In the future, we can be confident of it. But we see God's faithfulness as we look to the past and we see what God has done. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. God does not change. He cannot change. There is not even a shadow of turning with God. What a comfort. That is, for us, that God does not change. As we go into the new year, 
we remember thou changest not thy compassions. The tenderness, the mercy of God has always been shown and it will be so into the future. But this is what we read. Pardon for sin, verse 3, and a peace that endures. Do you know that? Have you had your sins forgiven? Do you know that pardon of your guilt removed, your burden lifted? Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. And here's the key phrase for this morning. This is our message. Thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Isn't that lovely? How will we know the future? Well, God will give us his presence and it will be promised to us. So that's our subject this morning. His promised presence. If God is with me, I've got nothing to fear. I don't need to have doubts. I'm not unsure which way to turn because if God is with me, he will guide me. He will protect me. He'll comfort me. He'll help me. He'll show me thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. God only gives me the strength that I need for today, but I can be confident that the help and strength I'll need for tomorrow, that will be given to me as well, but not until tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 besides. So, God's own dear presence, to cheer and to guide. What about Joshua? Joshua, a man of God, a man who was given very great responsibilities, a man who knew the people that he had to lead and he knew what they were like, a feeble folk. They complained they murmured, they had stiff necks, they were proud, they weren't for turning. A people that made Moses' life so difficult. Just think of Joshua. He knew he would be the next leader for 40 years and he's one of the spies, 12 of them, that are sent to Canaan to the promised land, all of them see the same things. They see those enormous grapes. They see the honey. And they see giants as well. But only Joshua and Caleb looked at what was before them, looked at the facts, looked at the symbols, and came back with an honest and true report. Ten were bad. 
two. Well, good. When you look at the year ahead, what's your report? What do you see? Are you one of those people that just sees problem, problem, problem? Or like Joshua, do you see opportunity after opportunity? An opportunity to be faithful in the midst of difficulty. An opportunity to prove your God is faithful by trusting him, by relying upon him, by not going to pieces, by not saying, look at the giants, they're so tall, 10 foot, 12 foot, they get bigger and bigger. The more you think about them, the more you look up at them, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. Do you see the giants? Or do you see the opportunity to say, the grapes of that land, they're so big. The promises of God, the goodness of God, it's all before us. That's how Joshua thought. It was the same place. They saw the same things, but there was two different ways of looking at the same things. There was the godly way that Joshua had. He didn't focus on the negative. He didn't focus on the discouraging. He didn't focus on the giants. God will deal with the giants. He'll strike them down. By faith, one pebble at a time, Joshua would be faithful. Joshua's called the son of Nun. Why is that? Why is he always called the son of Nun? Because his name means Jesus. He is a picture of Christ. And as he goes into the land with the giants, and all the problems that lie ahead of him, he's like Christ going to his own death, knowing that the Lord would be faithful to him, knowing that there would be giants and they would be slayed. All the enemies of Christ were defeated and he went to the cross and he was faithful even unto death. We've had taken from us in the past year those who were faithful even unto death, not as Christ. But would we be faithful to the end? Would we be as Joshua, faithful? Joshua, the son of none, only him and Caleb would enter of the whole of their generation. Just two were faithful. Two. There were thousands in the generation of Joshua and Caleb. Just two. Everyone else believed the lies. Believed the giants grew every day. What will you be? Faithful? or unfaithful in the year 
ahead. Joshua, oh, what challenges lied ahead, lay ahead for Joshua. Such uncertainty. Well, let's come. That's enough of Joshua. Let's come to look at the nature of the promise. This is a remarkable promise. These are not bland, empty words. Sometimes we're not very good at it, are we? We say words to somebody that's been bereaved and they're shallow. They're empty. We try to comfort and we don't know how to. Are these words empty? Are they just theoretical words? No, they're not bland, empty, theoretical words. This is real comfort. Joshua, here's his God speaking to him, directly to his mind and then to his heart. Joshua, there shall not any man be able to stand against thee. He's going to use an analogy. You see, we're such simple folk, we have to have things put in pictures. We have to say, look back, look back to Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Oh, that's an extraordinary statement. Moses, the man of God, who walked with God. If you want to know about Moses, turn back to the final chapter of Deuteronomy and verse 10. We get a little summary of Moses' life in one verse. Just flick back a few verses. Deuteronomy 34. Moses has died. This is what it says of Moses. And there arose not a prophet. It puts the positive in a negative way to make the point. There was nobody like Moses in Israel whom the Lord knew face to face. That's a definition of a Christian. You might know God just by words. You might know him because your parents know him. That's not knowing God face to face. You might know him in theory, like a theory up on a shelf in a book. You might know him because you've heard about him. But do you know him face to face? Like a husband and wife? Like a mother and a daughter? Face to face. Every Christian has that sort of intimacy and relationship with his or her God, that it could be said of us, we know Christ Jesus face to face. You have a living, personal, intimate relationship, not in theory, but in practice. We can say seven things briefly. 
about the outstanding relationship that Moses had with his God and this will be the relationship that Joshua and we can have too. We can say of Moses, the Lord protected him. He had his hand upon him from the day he was born. Three months, Moses would be hid. His life could have been over before it began, but no, God had his hand upon Moses, hidden for three months, in the bulrushes, in a basket, rescued, delivered. He was protected. Secondly, he was rescued and delivered from every danger. And the dangers that Moses knew from when he was a child were life-threatening. Some of you can testify of that. You might have a child. We did. And the sentence was upon that child medically before even being born. And remarkably, the Lord had rescued, delivered that child physically and in time spiritually. He protects Moses, he rescues and delivers Moses physically in that time of danger. And then in due course, thirdly, God reveals himself to Moses. Yes, it took a time in several ways, but there was that day, the burning bush. And the bush was not burned and consumed. And God was saying, here I am. I am real. I am like a burning, glorious fire. And yet I'm not consumed. Moses turns aside to look and he sees the holiness, the all-consuming fire that is God. And yet, Moses can draw near, but he has to take his shoes off. This is holy ground. That's the first lesson. You come to God. God reveals himself. And the first thing we realize is God is holy. And I'm a sinner. Somebody was saying to me this week, they had had the gospel explained to them and they were told, just accept Christ as your saviour and as your Lord. Well, that's true, but you can't do that until you've seen that you are a sinner and you stand on holy ground. And you come before God and you feel your uncleanness, your unworthiness, your love of everything earthly. Moses has to take off his sandals. Holy ground. That's the lesson that we need to learn. And then he sees God as it were, face to face. He cannot see God because God is too holy. And so he sees just the behind, passing before his eyes as he's hid in the shelter of the rock, the glory of God somehow 
revealed to him and he would never be the same. There would be that ever-present knowledge of the presence of God in Moses' life. Every day they would walk together. Every day they were in agreement. How would Moses live? What's God's way? I'll live that way. Is that true of you and me? Do we ask every day for God's way, not my way? Do we live in the presence of God face to face, as it were? Well, he was guided. That was the way that Moses lived, guided. We'll say more of that later. And he was provided for. This is the analogy that Joshua is being given. He's being told, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Moses and Joshua can have the same relationship. But let's think, secondly, of the completeness of this promise. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. There's another aspect. How did Moses live through those 40 wilderness years? There was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Moses lived by sight. Every time the cloud shifted, they would have to pack up the tabernacle. Every time the fiery pillar moved on, they would have to gather their belongings. That was not an easy thing to do. Two, three million people gathering everything together, all their possessions, and until the, the pillar stopped, they would move on. They were living by sight. But Joshua wouldn't live that way. And neither did Christ. The truth of God implanted upon Joshua's mind would be what guided him. You see, in the Old Testament, there are these signs and pictures and wonders and these signposts pointing. But it wouldn't be that way forever. When Joshua leads the people, it would be a different way. And when Christ lived, he had his eyes set upon something he couldn't see, Calvary. And when we live, we're not guided by symbols and signs and pictures and images and fire and cloud. We will be led by faith. Faith in the Son of God and in his word. That's how it will be. God would be his portion. God would be all that he needed. He says to Joshua, I will not fail thee. Not the cloud, not the fire. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. His focus, his attention, the guiding hand would be God. Be strong 
and of a a good courage. So that's a lesson that Joshua will have to learn and that we have to learn. We walk by faith and not by sight. Friends, is there somebody here this morning? You always want a sign, a token, something. And the Lord says, no, that's not the way it will be. It's through my word that you know my presence and that you will know my help and that you will know my guiding hand upon your life in this year ahead. Joshua is being commissioned. I want you to notice three absolutes. Just look at the words carefully in verse 5. Is this just one bland, empty statement? No, look at the three absolutes. Joshua says, this is all well and good. You will lead me like you did Moses, but I'm not Moses. And maybe there won't be so many miracles as there was with Moses. Well, look at these three promises. There shall not any, no one, will stand against you. It literally means in the Hebrew, nobody will stand in your shoes. No one else will lead this people. I'll make sure of that. Oh, well, that's good, but how long for? Well, there's a second absolute. All the days of thy life, every single day, no one will stand in your shoes against you, trying to usurp you, taking your position, no I will see to that, says the Lord. Oh, that's good. No enemies will take away my leadership. I will be with you every day. But is that enough? Oh, there's a third absolute. I will never fail thee, nor forsake thee, not once. I won't let you down. I won't be 99% faithful. I won't leave you and desert you in the hospital bed. I will be there with you when you have to care for a sick one. Not one hour of one day. Nobody will stand against you all the days of your life. I will never. That's three absolutes. They amplify three times three times three. Don't add them up. They multiply. Joshua, commission. Where will his help come from? Well, it will come from the Lord. We have a verse of a hymn. It's not in our hymn book. It goes like this. It's by John Kent. With David's Lord... And ours a covenant once was made, whose bonds, his promises, are firm and sure, whose glories ne'er shall fade. Signed by the sacred three in one, in mutual love ere time began, 
firm as the lasting hills, this covenant shall endure. Whose powerful shalls and wills make every blessing sure. We have a shall and we have two wills. There shall not any man stand against thee. So will I be. I will not. One shall, two wills. Three powerful shalls and wills. When God says something, it's not like my word. You make a promise. I'll bring some food to a a celebration. I'll do this, I'll do that. You get sick. You can't do it. You had an intention to. But when God says it, he's got the power, he's got the knowledge, he knows the future. Everything he says will be carried out. Oh, isn't that comforting? Isn't that a great promise? Tonight we shall sing a hymn of our own John Newton. We can say that because he was just in a village nearby. Our own John Newton. 400 years today, we believe, since Amazing Grace was written and sung. I'm told it will be sung in millions of churches today. But he has another hymn. It's a wonderful hymn. It speaks of the promised presence of God. It says this. Some of you love this hymn. Begone unbelief, my Saviour is near, and for my relief will surely appear, not physically, but by his word and by his promises and by his comforts and by his people, by prayer, let me wrestle and he will perform. With Christ in the vessel, I smile. At the storm. That's our attitude. The storms, they'll come this year. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a priest. I'm just a plain pastor. But I tell you, in a congregation this size, there will be storms. How will you face them? Will you doubt? Will you start to panic? Will you send off a flurry of messages on WhatsApp? Will you start to analyze the size of the giants and look at their eyes? Or will you ignore them? And will you say, by prayer, let me wrestle, and he will perform with Christ in this vessel, my life, I will smile at the storm. Some of you may have. Some of you will have disappointments. But will you take the powerful shells and wills that were given to Joshua and will you apply them to your own heart? Let's look at the command. If I was to stop here this morning, this would all be sweetness and light. It would all be too good to be true. But it's not, it is true. 
but we have a duty. And we could miss the duty. You see, when the Lord calls us to salvation, it's not just accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have to repent. I have to believe. There is a duty. Yes, the Lord helps me to believe. He gives me the faith to believe. But I have a duty, and it's the same in the Christian life as it is at the crossroads when we enter the Christian life. I must trust. I must obey. I must put my faith in Christ at salvation and in salvation. Look at what it says. This is the command. Be strong and of a good courage. That's the continuous present tense. It's from now, tomorrow, and forevermore. And in case you miss it, verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. And you'll see it again and again. Verse 9, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. And there's a verse later, if I'm not mistaken, it says, be very strong and very courageous. So what does this mean for me? It means that I have to put what God teaches me into practice. I've got to what we call appropriate. Put it from being theoretical and true into my hand, into my heart, and into practice. There's no point saying God will be with me. God won't fail me. God won't forsake me and then not believing it. And having fear and shaking. No. We're to clench those muscles of faith. Be strong. Be of a good courage. You don't go into battle floppy or relaxed. The adrenaline's flowing. The muscles are ready. The sword is in the hand. The shield is in the arm. We go with the armor that God has given us. And we fight. And we fight. We fight the good fight of faith. And we lay hold on eternal life. Seven lessons, briefly, before we finish. You might have to listen to this again. Seven lessons. First, this is a promise. It's a promise. But promises have to be Believe They have to be remembered. They have to be practiced. They have to be practiced in public and in private. They have to be put into practice in trial and in trouble and in triumph. There's no point having the thousands of promises if we don't use them. Secondly, Joshua's being told, I will be a friend to you, Joshua. As I was with Moses, I will walk with you. You will have 
a sense of my presence. It won't be with your eyes, but it will be by faith. And my presence is all that you'll need, my promised presence, secondly. But thirdly, there's a lesson. Joshua, what will be your chief source of comfort? Will it be Caleb? He doesn't say that. Will it be your church friends? He doesn't say that. They could be a comfort. But the source of the greatest help will be me. It will be your Lord. It will be your God. The source of this help is me. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses. So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Don't have too high a view of other people this year. You might be disappointed. I hope not. But you might be disappointed. But have the highest view of your God, of your Saviour. He will not disappoint. Fourthly, he will be your guide. Oh, you've got a decision to take. It's a difficult one. Do I turn this way? Do I turn that way? He goes on to say, don't turn. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Listen to his truth. Put it into your mind. Apply it to your heart. May it work through your life. And he'll be your guide. He'll show you what to do. Fifthly, he'll be your counselor. You need counsel. You need comfort. You need wisdom. You need help. He will be with you. That's all you need. The presence of God, his word, his truth. Sixthly, you will be in covenant relationship. As I was with Moses, bound in a covenant that couldn't and wasn't broken, so I will be with you. The promise is the same. God will be in covenant relationship with you. And seventhly, be prepared, Joshua. You've got 12 tribes. Just imagine how many factions there could be. 12 times 12. Family rivalry, jealousy. Family comes first, not in the church. Tribal loyalties. Racial loyalties, they'll be disobedient. They won't do what he says. He's just a man. But he's going to give them the commandments of God. He says, don't let the law that's written on your heart, don't let it leave the people. But it will. What do they say at the end of the chapter? We will do it. And I could say the same to you. And to myself, I'll be at every prayer meeting this year. Will you? 
I'll make the phone call to the person that needs comfort, will you? Don't be too bold in what you promise, but be very courageous and very strong in what you attempt this year, more than last year, more faithful, more loyal. Joshua, be prepared. You've got a faithless people in front of you. But as I was with Moses, so I will be with you.